my name's Josh, and I'm so glad that you're joining us on our Grace Church podcast. At Grace Church, we are all about knowing God and reflecting His way. I hope this sermon will do just that, by feeding your mind with the knowledge of God and engaging your heart to live a life reflecting His grace and truth. Today we're going to continue in our Enemies of God sermon series that we've been doing. So if you remember a couple weeks ago we talked about the enemy of God being Satan. And then uh, last week we talked about the enemy of God being sin, specifically the sin inside of us. And today I want to talk about the enemy of God on a slightly more narrow view of that sin and that is pride. So according to the Bible, a biblical definition of pride is the concentration on the self. Pride is our absorption in ourselves. So 1 Corinthians 10, our second reading today, the last couple sentences say this. So if you think you are standing, watch out that you do not fall. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. The reason we fall, of course, is our belief in us. That is our pride. And it's, of course, I think you know pride is common to everyone. One of my favorite authors, uh, who I will quote a lot today, is C.S. Lewis. And he has a lot to say about pride, actually. And I think he has a very helpful um, phrase that he uses that actually is on this uh, insert card that we gave you about pride being the chief sin. And what he says is, pride is ruthless, sleepless, unsmiling concentration on the self. I love that. I love it because it's so true. Pride is this ruthless, sleepless, unsmiling concentration on ourselves. Pride makes us concentrate on ourselves so much that we don't get into relationships, that we don't get the jobs that we want, that we don't do anything unless it makes us feel good about us. Because everything we want to do is in some way tied up in us, and that is pride. In Lewis's famous chapter on pride, he writes this, Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, but only out of having more of it than the next person. Isn't that true? So maybe you think that you're proud of your success, or you're proud of being intelligent, or you're proud of being good-looking, but you're not. You're only proud of those things as they compare to other people, that you're more successful, more intelligent, and that your looks are better. And then in that moment, as pride takes over, we lose all the pleasure of what those gifts might have been to us. Lust may drive some people to sleep together when they shouldn't, when they're in a covenant relationship. But pride drives someone to sleep with someone else just to prove that they can. A proud man gets no pleasure from lust because it's all about him. Pride turns everything we know into a means to an end. It means that we are looking for respect. It means that we are looking for approval from somebody else. And so that's what I love about Lewis's quote. Pride is sleepless. It's this endless ego calculation that we're always doing. We're always adding things up. We're always looking at someone else and saying, or looking at ourselves first, and then saying about them, are they giving me the respect that I deserve? Am I being appreciated here enough? How am I being regarded? How do I look? This thing that I'm doing, does it make me look good enough? 
because pride is this, is this concentration on ourselves, there are actually two forms of pride. One you know pretty well and one you may not know very well. The first is the superior form of pride. That is a pride that recognizes ourselves as this air of superiority, that we are better than other people. We're always comparing, and so we say, how do we look? How am I doing? How's it going? That's superior form because we think that we're better than someone else. And then there's this other form of pride, the inferior form of pride. And this inferior pride takes, that place, takes place in our lives when we put ourselves down. When you don't like yourself, when you don't like how you're doing or how you look, maybe you're very self-conscious and you're always beating yourself up, that's that inferior pride. But note carefully, inferior or uh, superior, either way, you're self-absorbed. Either way, you're always doing it in comparison to other people. Now, we don't think of people who beat themselves up as being proud. But by the biblical definition, that's exactly what they're doing. And so we need to get it straight. Neither kind of pride has much in common with the humble person. The superior and the inferior, neither have much in common with the humble person. Because, and this I would love for you to write down if you uh, could remember this. Humility, according to the Bible, is not thinking about thinking less of yourself. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Do you, do you see the point of that? Humility is not just not thinking about yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. I don't want you to think poorly of yourself. Just stop thinking about yourself. That'd be better. Humility is not needy for respect or approval. When we're humble, we can say hello to folks, we can hang out with folks, we can do certain jobs, we, we can live our lives not because those things make us feel good about ourselves, but because those things, things are just good. Those people are good. That's being humble. And if you've ever been around a really humble person, you don't come away thinking they're humble. You come away remembering how happy they are, how incredibly interested in you they were. So you don't think, oh, that was really a humble person. You think, man, that person was just fun to be around because they're not thinking about themselves. And how you treat them, how you look at them, we look at them through that ego calculation, but they're not. It's all gone for them. And they're just relaxed. They're genuinely interested in you and in the lives around you. They're genuinely interested in what's going on in other people's lives because they are bored with themselves. What's to talk about anyway, right? It's not that interesting. We're all doing life. But pride, ruthless, sleepless, unsmiling concentration on the self, pride never quits inside of us. So, okay, you may say, okay, fine, you defined it, that's nice, thank you for that broad definition, but really, how bad is it? Oh, it's very bad. So I want to spend the rest of my time actually just talking about the consequences of this pride in our lives, what it actually does to us. And you may resonate with some of this, in other parts you may not resonate with so much, but you will immediately think of someone who does, just so you know. Everywhere in Scripture, it tells us that pride goes before a fall. Pride leads to devastation. Pride leads to destruction. Pride is deadly, the Bible says. And that is all pride is deadly, not some of it. All of it's deadly. So let's start counting the ways. First, 
how pride is deadly. And this might seem like a really low level of pride. But the first thing that happens when we are prideful is it makes us fools, is what Scripture says. It makes us fools. And here's why. It, phys- it literally makes us fools because it keeps us from learning from our mistakes. When we make a mistake and we're prideful, we just self-justify. A proud heart is always self-justifying. You have a relationship that breaks up. You have a fault. You have a falling out with somebody. Your job doesn't work out. Something bad is happening in your life, and the proud person says, well, it's just him. It's just her. It's just them. It's that job. I had a bad boss. It was a blue moon. There's always something else. It's always the circumstances. It's never you. What I've learned about humble people is that they are not always looking at themselves. They're not always standing on their own dignity that they've got to have. They can laugh. They can laugh at themselves often first. And as a result of their ability to laugh at themselves, they learn fast. They learn very quickly. When something goes wrong, humble folks look for what they've done wrong. And if they haven't done anything wrong, they often just claim part of it as their own fault, even though it's not them. Proud people do not claim fault. Proud people also don't learn from their mistakes in general. Not only that, Proud people really struggle with criticism in particular. So think about this as if you. But one of the best ways that we can grow as people, matter of fact, one of the the key facets of growing as a human is to take the criticism that is given to us and find a way to grow from it. But the folks who think they are superior or the people who struggle with superior type of pride, they take that criticism and they just dismiss it as an attack. The folks who feel inferior, the folks who let the inferior kind of pride take root in their mouth, in their their brains, when they receive criticism, it devastates you. It overwhelms you. It melts you down. And then you say, forget about it. I just don't want to think about this at all. And then you never learn anything. So whether you don't learn from your mistakes in general or whether you don't take particular, uh, you don't take criticism in particular, The Bible says either group is a fool because we're constantly making bad choices. We choose the wrong job. We choose the wrong friends. We choose lots and lots of things that are wrong because they look like they work in comparison to each other. Being superior in our pride makes us overestimate our gifts, and being inferior in our pride makes us underestimate them. So do you think that people are above you? then you might start resenting them. You might fear them. You might find them threatening if they're above you. And how about the folks that are below you? Well, if you're struggling with pride or if pride is deep-seated in you, then you begin to disdain them. You don't learn from them. The result, of course, is the same either way. Constant miscalculations. Constantly making the wrong moves. Constantly proving that we're just fools. But it doesn't just make us fools, pride. It also, the Bible says, makes us evil. Now, a couple weeks ago, Reverend Caroline talked about this. Pride is what makes the devil the devil. When Reverend Caroline talked about what caused Satan to be Satan, it was pride. And since the times of St. Augustine, 
Christian theology has understood that pride isn't just one sin among many, but it's really the root of all of our sin. Pride is that spiritual hellish petri dish that we grow all kinds of stuff in our lives. And so here's how. Pride causes us to maybe struggle with bitterness, that anger towards what other people have done with us. So if you struggle with bitterness, let me tell you, the root comes from pride. There are lots of folks who struggle with anger. But remember this, you can't stay angry at somebody. You can't stay resentful at somebody unless you feel superior to them. So there is no bitterness with pride. There is no anger without pride because necessarily in both those places, we, have, we say to ourselves, well, I would never do anything like that. They're dumb. And so our lives are distorted by anger, but really it's pride at the root. Maybe you are uh, paralyzed by fear. Maybe fretting and worrying overtake you. Guess what? comes from pride because you believe that you know things, where things should go, how things should work out, how life should happen. You believe it, and when it doesn't work that way, you get afraid. But don't you see at the beginning, the problem was you thought you knew how things should go. But you can't. That's not life. That's just arrogant pride again. You can't be horribly worried without pride. You can't be horribly bitter without being proud. Pride makes us opinionated, which, by the way, if you don't know, nobody likes opinionated people. Pride leads to us being indecisive because it makes us feel inferior. We're just afraid of making the wrong move, so we're paralyzed. Pride can make you too shy because you feel like you can't offer anything. That's the inferiority. Pride makes, can make us abrasive. We feel superior to other people. There are, there's pride in our society at a meta level, a high, big level. Racism, injustice, imperialism. That's just class pride, racial pride, national pride. It's everywhere. Then on top of all of that, if you still find yourself finding a way in your head to get around this, on top of all of that, let me just tell you, pride is one of those sins that can easily get away from us because it's the only sin I know that hides itself. It has the ability to have us believe that it's actually not happening in our lives. Here's how. The more proud we are, the more in its clutches we are, the less proud we think we are. Think about it. You probably have never heard anybody say to you, you know, I'm really proud. I have a problem with pride. <laughs> I can tell you in my years of ministry, no one has ever confessed that to me. No one's ever come to me and said, I have a problem with pride. I'm just too proud. And yet, that is the sin that, caught, that hides under the surface. Think about it this way. Lots of people hate snobs. It's kind of an okay thing for us to hate snobs. But you can only hate snobs if you feel superior to them, which, meaning, which means that hating snobbery is a form of snobbery. Because humble people don't feel superior to anybody. So how do you look down your nose at snobs? Well, you are one of the crowd. You are a snob yourself. Do you see how inescapable this is? Painfully, and this rings so true for me, here's maybe the worst of it. 
If someone comes into faith and gets very religious, as it says, and they start to be good, they start to come to church, they start to read their Bible, they start to pray, they start to obey God, they will notice and we will notice that that religion will begin to kill certain sins in their lives. Lust may be killed off or materialism will begin to taper off because they read how bad that is for them. But you know what religion doesn't kill? Pride. Religion actually makes pride worse because there is no pride like religious pride. There are no proud people like the Pharisees in Scripture. Religion causes us to feel more self-conscious and then we feel like a failure, which of course is pride. Or it makes you feel superior to everybody else because you found something that other people don't have and so you begin to look down on them. And it's scary. Though religion can kill off lots of other things in our lives, things that need to be dead, religion in our lives is like pouring gas on the fire of pride and it just explodes. So we're cooked. But there is a cure. There is a cure. The Bible says it this way. If you humble yourselves, you will be exalted. If you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. In our social life, we cannot make good impressions on anybody else until we stop trying to make good impressions on other people. In our creations, art, literature, the things that you produce, you will never be original until you stop trying to be original. This principle runs from the bottom to the top of our lives. Lose your life and you will save it. This is what Jesus said. Look at yourself. Look at your loneliness, despair, your rage, your ruin, and your decay and realize that that's normative. But with Christ... When you put him first, you will find everything else you need thrown in. The painful truth is this. We want someone to think the world of us, particularly the ones that we think the world of. We crave the praise of the praiseworthy, which is why we have this problem with pride. We're needy all the time. But there is this guy who has ultimate glory, who, believe it or not, came to earth and stripped himself of that glory. He gave it up. He went to the cross, and not only was he stripped of his clothes, he was stripped of his father's love. He was stripped of his father's approval. He was stripped of his father's respect. Why? Because he tells us that he wanted to reverse places with us. Jesus Christ, at infinite cost to himself, gave up his role that we could have this. 2 Corinthians 5 puts it this way. God made him, made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. So he was stripped so that his righteousness might become ours. He exchanges places with us and he gives us what only he deserves that is his glory. And he takes what only we deserve, our punishment, our glory, he takes that. And when you know he loves you like that, when you understand and experience his love like that, you begin to understand and know what he actually went through to make that happen. And here's what happens. Your ego gets this one-two punch. 
It finally goes down and it becomes forgetful. And it tells our cravings that they're not so needy anymore. Let me be clear though, it's not enough just to say, well, I believe in God. That will not make you humble. It will either make you superior or inferior. What you have to do is you have to come to God and say, I don't know how to do this. I need you. I need to accept this gift where you reversed the cost for me, where you humbled yourself and you died for me. I need to accept that so that I can walk with you. He was strong enough to handle us when we are weak. And so if you see him doing that for you, you will become strong like him with him. And that is critical. So the question I have for you is, do you want that? I do. Very badly. So here's how we start. Here's how we begin, actually. This is what Lewis tells us, the first step towards understanding, towards experience, uh, experiencing this life free from pride and towards humility. He said, if anyone wants to acquire humility, I can, I think, tell them the very first step. The first step is to realize that one is proud. So you got to realize that you're proud. Sounds small, but it's not. It's huge. It's this admission of guilt and blame and letting truth and clarity speak to you and say, I am proud. Without that admission, you're stuck. You won't go anywhere. You're lost. You're bound up in your pride. But when you admit it, when you realize that you are prideful, you will realize that you've been stuck in your past and your present and your future. It's all bound up. It's not going anywhere with this pride. Everything in your life is stuck until you acknowledge how much of this pride riddles your thoughts, your prayers, your dreams, your relationships. When you admit that, then you will take the first step on the road to healing. In fact, that is the only step I know to take to find healing. The great news is that Jesus offered us this life, this abundant life. It's the greatest gift that he gave, and that is to walk with him in his humility. So I'm going to pray for us right now, and as I do, I want you to acknowledge that we are people who are stuck in prayer. God already knows that you are. This is your admission to yourself and to him. So let's pray. Father, we acknowledge that we are people steeped in sin and at the root of all those sins over and over and over again is this sin of pride. Lord, I know I am proud in so many ways that I can admit and ways that I don't even understand yet, and I pray that you would reveal them all to me and to the people around me. And Lord, I just confess that that makes me scared. But I know that you are safe, that you are a mighty tower that saves us and that we can trust in you and I don't need to live in that fear anymore. No one here does. So I pray that we would let that fear, we would let all of those things that are hindering us from admitting our pride go and instead turn to you, trust you, and acknowledge that only you can make us humble. Only you can make us happy for the people around us and excited for this world. And so, God, we ask that you give us that. Give us less of ourselves, more of you, 
cause us to think of ourselves so much less. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To find out more about what's going on here at Grace Church, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, on our website, graceocala.org, or, of course, on our campus here in sunny Ocala, Florida. Go in peace.